Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events. As the calendar turns to August, we have baseball in full swing and the return of football this month. Use our promo code believe 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is August 4th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. It is the 1,000th episode in the history of the Take It Easy podcast, and I am very, very excited that the day has come. 1,000 episodes that we have recorded here on this show. We have recorded an episode nearly every single day for over three years now, at the very least every single Monday through Friday for the past two years and 10 months. We have been, ever since I started college, And now all the way through my graduation of college, we have been recording the Take It Easy podcast here on this feed. It's sometimes on the Believe Podcast Network, but also we were independent for close to two years. And we went through a pandemic year and we went through a shortened season. We went through 2021, which was a weird year with all kinds of weird news stories and us trying to follow and grow as a, as a well, I guess trying to grow as an orator or grow as a public speaker and uh, really refining this craft of sports talk and professional orating and ultimately it turned into other projects like the Red Rain podcast that we did the DSD podcast with our friend Cam all the Instagrams and Twitters that we've built uh, and ultimately culminated with the fall of the Spurs Dynasty podcast that we did with SB Nation uh, last month. And I'm really, really excited that through all of that, this was the consistent point where we could come and just practice talking into a microphone for 30 minutes or 45 minutes a day, because ultimately that's what all of this started as. It started as a way for me to just get on a microphone and talk for 30, 45 minutes at a time. And lo and behold, this ends up being the climactic moment of our run here on the show 1000 episodes on take it easy uh in the history of the show we have recorded now 150,000 downloads 
in our podcast history. A thousand episodes, 150,000 downloads. That's close to 150 an episode. Obviously, we have some that had thousands of downloads, other episodes that ended up having hundreds of downloads. We've They're spaced out. Obviously, we've had a consistent following of close to 200 people over the years. Some people have come and gone. Some of you have been with us for years. Some people consistently download. Some people consistently listen. We have 1,000 episodes, a growing audience, a changing audience, all kinds of stuff here on the show, and it's all gone to support these dreams that I have had for years and years. And so I appreciate each and every one of you for your continued support of the show. 1,000 episodes is a huge deal for me. It's something that if you've been listening over the past two weeks, I've kind of been counting down the episodes on the path to 2,000, and we've now reached 2,000, and I could not be more excited for whatever else will come in the future. It's It's been an incredible run, and this is all about supporting dreams and you know, going back to learning how to do football analysis and saying that Josh Allen was going to be better. Josh Allen was going to get replaced by Dak Prescott on the Bills and, uh, you know, try, thinking that Alan Lazard was going to be the factor that changed the Packers 49ers NFC Championship game. Growing as a person, growing as a leader, growing as someone doing analysis and thinking like a scientist. Someone who, you know, for years believed in the idea that if you just practice something for an hour a day, every day, think how good you're going to be in a year and think how good you're going to be in two years or three years. And now a thousand episodes in, I feel like I'm really getting a, a handle on this craft and this art that is, uh, I guess, radio and podcast, which in this case, we're using it through the prism of sports, talking about real societal issues and, and doing longer form conversations. It involves writing, it involves journalism, it involves all kinds of skills that'll be useful in this sports media space that I really want to pursue for whatever the weird reasons that my dreams lead me down this path. So 1,000 episodes later, I feel like I have a real grasp on the concept, and I'm really appreciative of all of your continued support in the years that have led to 1,000 episodes of the Take It Easy podcast. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me uh, going through the the 2019 2020 year one being in school and and an 18 year old not knowing how to do this and just rehashing things that i already hear on other platforms and and then learning how to formulate my own opinions and write long form columns and uh, write long form blog posts and then use those as podcasts trying to find content during the pandemic was incredibly difficult and incredibly jarring we've been through highs we've been through lows we've found podcast partners we've had great instagram pages we've lost instagram pages that we put thousands of hours of work into all kinds of stuff has gone down personally professionally and uh, in this weird hobby that will hopefully turn into a job in the not too distant future that helps me reach my goal of making $75,000 a year talking about sports. That's a goal I set years ago. It's a goal I will continue to strive for and then pursue more goals beyond that. And uh, just recording a podcast every day for a thousand days is uh, something that is kind of remarkable when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, or at least I'm sitting here and finding it quite remarkable and uh, I appreciate all of your continued support that has allowed us to get paid a little bit of money and, and engage with a fun audience that uh, that has allowed this podcast to blossom into whatever weird creation it, it is and is going to become so thank you to everyone who has continued to support all of our work 
over the years and especially in in the recent months the best thing that i can say all the time to you guys is that you are supporting our dreams and it nothing could mean more to me than you continuing to support our dreams so thank you thank you again 1000 episodes is a big deal and uh, i really appreciate all of you so my original plan for the 1000th episode of the Take It Easy podcast was to record a long list of our greatest bits, segments, songs, parodies, things that we've done to honor the history of this podcast over now three plus years of recording content. Uh, I was going to do that all summer. There, I was looking for when the best time would be to weave that into content. Uh, when I have one day during August where there's just not a lot going on in sports, I will then create a, a what I like to call a Christmas album of songs and podcast bits and stuff that we've done over the years as kind of a, hey, remember when we did this? Remember all this stuff that we did? But then we had just a marvelous story with the Miami Dolphins break on Tuesday that I wanted to talk about. So instead, we will get to play one of those songs over and over as we use in and out of the transition, which is the wonderful T-Pain Miami Dolphins remix song that uh, we play every time we talk about the Miami Dolphins. Because if there's one thing I love to play here on this podcast and on all of our platforms, if there's one thing I love, it is... 1970s and 1980s music parodies that are made to promote NFL sports teams because we don't get those anymore we don't get musicians getting hired to make theme songs for sports teams like the San Diego Chargers or the San Francisco Giants or the Philadelphia 76ers or Orlando Magic anytime there is a 1970s or 1980s sports theme song I want to use it and And in the history of this podcast, there are only two things that are better than 1970s and 1980s stadium anthems for sports teams. One is parody songs that we make by ourselves. And number two is 2000s dance music remakes of 1970s and 1980s stadium anthem songs. And so for that, we have the T-Pain remix of the Miami Dolphins fight song that came out in 2009. And I remind you again, the Miami Dolphins, in every single season since this song came out, have won somewhere between 6 and 10 games. Every season in the 15 years since this song was made. The Miami Dolphins got hit with the biggest tampering fine in the history of any professional sports team, which is just perfect. It's so funny 
that that's how that ends because in an alternate timeline not too far away in an alternate timeline the Miami Dolphins have Sean Payton as their head coach they have Tom Brady as a part owner of the team and quarterback for the Miami Dolphins and Miami has moved on from Tua Tungavailoa he's probably playing with the uh with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now and Brian Flores isn't pursuing a lawsuit and might be the head coach of the Houston Texans, which, by the way, Brian Flores is better than that head coaching job with the Houston Texans. I'm just saying there's a scenario where if Brian Flores doesn't sue the NFL, he's the one who gets the Texans head coaching job, or at least was offered. He he probably should have turned it down, but would have been offered the Texans head coaching job. And now the Miami Dolphins got hit with this punishment from the NFL. And I'm going to read the statement straight up to you here. NFL announces findings and discipline following independent investigation of integrity of the game policy violations. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today notified the Miami Dolphins of the discipline imposed for violations of NFL policies relating to the integrity of the game. Today's announcement follows a six-month investigation covering events from 2019 to 2022 that was led by former... U.S. Attorney and SEC Chair Mary Jo White and the team of lawyers from the Debevois, 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 wow, that was tough, Debevois Law Firm. The commissioner expressed his deep appreciation to Miss White and her colleagues for their comprehensive and objective review of these matters. The investigation focused on two subjects. One, whether the Dolphins violated league rules prohibiting tampering with a player and a coach under contract to other clubs. Side note, not in the report. This was alleged by Brian Flores in his lawsuit that was filed on February 1st, the day that Tom Brady retired. The NFL can't mention that in the punishment because they uh, are pursuing a lawsuit with Brian Flores and they have to deny the idea of Brian Flores uh, being told to tamper and lose games because they're trying to defend those claims in court. So they're not going to mention Brian Flores in here. But anyways, back to the case. Number one, whether the Dolphins violated league rules prohibiting tampering with a player and a coach under contract to other clubs. And two, whether during the 2019 season, the Dolphins intentionally lost games to improve the club's draft position in the 2020 draft and whether Dolphins chairman and managing partner Stephen Ross offered head coach Brian Flores financial incentives or otherwise encouraged him to lose games. The commissioner thanked the Dolphins for their cooperation provided by the club and its leadership. Tampering. The investigation conclusively established violations of the anti-tampering policy on three separate occasions. One, the Dolphins had impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in 2019-2020 while he was under contract to the Patriots. Those communications began as early as August 2019 and continued through the 2019 season and postseason. These numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who, for people who don't know, Mr. Beal is the uh, owner-in-waiting for when Stephen Ross dies. Stephen Ross is now in his 80s. Um, and, and this Beal person is going to be the, the owner-in-waiting for the Miami Dolphins. So, back to the case. These numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other Dolphins executives informed of his discussions with Mr. Brady. Two, the Dolphins again had impermissible communications with both Mr. Brady and his agent during the 2021 season while he was under contract to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Those discussions began no later than early December 2021 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive, although at times they included the possibility of him playing for the Dolphins, which, again, side note, the Mike Florio report and the Ben Volan report of well, Ben Volan is from the Boston Globe, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk and NBC. They reported on this early on last year. So we already had the details that this was such, or sorry, early this year in April of 2022, those details were available. So we had those details already available that they, the original plan was for Tom Brady to retire go to the Dolphins as a part owner and possible president of the team a week later, hire Sean Payton, and then in May or June, Tom Brady would end up being traded to the Miami Dolphins, probably for, I don't know, if you were trying to come up with value for Tom Brady, a first-round pick and maybe a third, maybe a player would be involved, like a Tua Tungavailoa, but for the most part would have been a first-round pick for Tom Brady, plus a little bit more. But anyways, back to the story. Three, in January 2022, the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Don Yee, the agent for New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, about having Mr. Payton serve as Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occurred before Payton announced his decision to retire as coach of the Saints. Following that announcement, Miami requested permission to speak to Coach Payton for the first time, which New Orleans declined to grant. Which, by the way, New Orleans can decline to grant that information because New Orleans still has Sean Payton under contract for three more seasons. And altogether, you are left with one of the craziest stories you are going to find in the NFL and around the professional sports landscape surrounding Tom Brady and surrounding the Miami Dolphins that for a while it felt like no one was talking about. Like Ben Volan had the reports, but it wasn't being reported by ESPN and NFL Network. And for a certain extent, like NBC was involved, but you weren't seeing it on CBS Sports. You weren't seeing it on Fox Sports. League partners with the NFL were not really communicating this storyline. And, of course, Mike Florio with Pro Football Talk was the one who was going about it, and I don't know what NBC's coverage beyond that was, besides Mike Florio being a journalist. Uh, It was incredible that that was the case, and we talked about it back on, I want to say, April 14th, about how chaotic that whole situation seemed and how Tom Brady kind of got played a bit. And it looked like Tom Brady might get punished for this whole thing, I wasn't sure whether the NFL investigation would come back with anything, but Tom Brady ended up getting away with it because uh, players are not necessarily held to the same standards as the organization orchestrating a punishment and orchestrating a plan for Tom Brady to go to the Miami Dolphins along with Sean Payton and then trade for Tyreek Hill. But maybe they wouldn't have been able to trade for Tyreek Hill if they had had to trade all their draft picks for Tom Brady. But anyways, so the punishment comes down. Dolphins lose a first-round pick and a third-round pick for tampering. They reached out to Tom Brady in 2019 when he was a Patriot, but Tom Brady also was flirting with the Miami Dolphins. But Tom Brady skirted on accounts of how the tampering rules work. They took away a little bit of Stephen Ross's power within ownership, which, again, I don't know how much those committees in NFL ownership circles actually have an impact Um, But, you know, Stephen Ross lost a little bit of power within the ownership groups. 
He's banned from attending NFL, banned from attending the Dolphins facility and NFL ownership meetings until October. And this Beal guy, who again is going to be the owner after Stephen Ross dies, uh, Beal is not going to be allowed in the Dolphins facility for all of 2022 because he was the one who was like directly setting up lines to Tom Brady with Stephen Ross kind of like, so this is kind of a historical example that I'm going to point to. Um, I don't know how many people know about the Iran-Contra scandal with um, Ronald Reagan back in the 1980s. So with Iran-Contra, what happened was there was a revolution in Central America. I want to say Nicaragua. That's the first one that comes to mind. I want to say it's Nicaragua. Yes, it is Nicaragua. Okay, cool. I got it right. Uh, So basically there was a rebellion in Nicaragua and the United States wanted to support the Contra rebels who were trying to take, take down the government that had just taken down the old government. And the United States wanted to fund their resistance because their resistance was pro capitalism. And the United States funded that by selling guns to Iran and selling weapons to Iran. And this was a massive scandal, and it would be the thing that plagued Ronald Reagan's second term in government, except Ronald Reagan was also suffering from dementia at the time, and it was kind of crazy that he was allowed to serve as president for the last two years of his term. But basically, that's how the Iran-Contra scandal plays out. But Ronald Reagan couldn't directly be impeached and indicted for it because they basically had a don't ask, don't tell situation where it's like, we're going to do this. Reagan would say yes, but if we ever get caught, we're not going to get Reagan in trouble for it. Stephen Ross was kind of that person where it's like the direct subsidiary of Stephen Ross was the one doing the dirty work. But Stephen Ross knew that this was something that was okay, and Stephen Ross gets punished I think it was only like $1.5 million, which again is a lot until you remember Stephen Ross is worth $5 billion, which is the equivalent of someone making $500,000 a year getting hit with a $150 fine. So Stephen Ross got hit with a $150 speeding ticket and lost some of his power and can't go within the Dolphins facility during the uh, first half or first four or five weeks of the season. But basically, that's the punishment. And the draft pick capital is probably the more significant punishment because that's the draft pick capital they would have used to trade for Tom Brady. And I guess that's the risk-reward that you run when the plan falls apart. But this one fell apart, again, because of an unprecedented scandal. or I'm sorry, an unprecedented lawsuit involving the Miami Dolphins hiring practices and the hiring practices of the NFL at large because, again, Stephen Ross told Brian Flores to tank in 2019 and Brian Flores was never really given a fair shot at being the head coach of the NFL, of an NFL team, which is the second part of the, hey, black coordinators and black coaches don't get hired in the NFL. They have a really shitty hiring record on black coaches and black executives. The second part of it is when they do get hired it is for the worst coaching jobs possible. If you, It's only when no one else will take your job that you then turn to a black head coach. I point out the fact that in the last five years, the Houston Texans have hired half of the black head coaches in the NFL who have been hired during this period. There have been six. Three of them have been hired by the Houston Texans. It's kind of insane how that one works out. But in the grand scheme of things, like that's the second part of this conversation with the Brian Flores lawsuit. And so when Brian Flores sues the Miami Dolphins on the day that Tom Brady 
ends up, well, I guess it was a class action lawsuit. So it was a class action lawsuit started by Brian Flores on the day that Tom Brady officially announces his quote unquote retirement. Um, the whole plan falls apart. And from that point forward, all of the details come to light about how Tom Brady and Sean Payton and Stephen Ross had this plan to uh, set the Miami Dolphins up with, again, Tom Brady as a part owner and playing quarterback of the team and having Sean Payton make $25 million per year to be the head coach. This was reported by Ben Volan and, and Mike Florio that there were talks about it being a four-year, $100 million deal for Sean Payton had Sean Payton, and they would have had to trade draft picks to get Sean Payton. It all seemed like a, a fantasy type of move, and yet we were so close to having it actually happen, which is kind of the crazy part about all of this. And when Sean Payton was still coach of the Saints, we don't know whether his retirement had something to do with the fact that they had a deal in place for him to go to the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know if you remember back in January, like I'm going to turn to the, the Sean Payton side of this for a second now and then come back to the Tom Brady and uh, Miami Doll. I guess we've kind of done Stephen Ross and the Beal guy. I've never heard of him before, but apparently he's the owner in waiting. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Sean Payton point because, you know, you can go to any sports radio show and hear talks about, oh, what do the draft picks mean? What does this mean for Tom Brady? Blah, blah, blah. I'm interested in this point from Sean Payton, and, and maybe it's from a bit of a pure like football analysis standpoint. Sean Payton is still young enough where Sean Payton is, at this point in Sean Payton's career, he is one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. And the thing I figured out after the Brian Flores lawsuit, or the Brian Flores firing, and maybe the, the data's changed on this a bit, is... There's about seven coaches in the NFL who are irreplaceable. Everyone else is kind of, you can, they can come and go, you can pick and choose. Everyone else is a little bit replaceable. And so Sean Payton is irrefutably one of those coaches where he is like top seven coach. People would line up to get him unless you have one of those seven coaches, which, which if I'm just going off the top of my head, I'd think Andy Reid, I'd think uh, John Harbaugh. Uh, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, uh, Bill Belichick. Um, I mean, th those are the ones that come to... Oh, Sean McVay would be in this group. Those are just the ones that come to mind of like, they will always get more jobs. They will always get another job. They will always get a good job even after they leave whatever job they're working in. And Sean Payton is in this place where he is also in that group of wanting to find a better job and the way he would do that is by finding a better quarterback and when he retired from the Saints and at the time I thought he only had one year left on his deal but it turned out he had three if Sean Payton wanted to coach again which was always a real possibility what were the places that Sean Payton would want to go and the thing that I thought at the time and I still think now is where are the places that have one of those 10 special quarterbacks and don't have a special head coach don't have one of those seven head coaches that we think are are the ones who are irreplaceable. And we've seen evidence over sometimes decades that they are just a, a, a step above everyone else. And maybe Kyle Shanahan's also in that group. But the point still stands like Aaron Rodgers and Matt LeFleur. I have no evidence to know if Matt LeFleur is a coach that improves the Green Bay Packers chances because the Green Bay Packers 
have had always one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they've always played right to expectations. Whereas, like, the Los Angeles Rams, we know that they were not the most talented roster in 2018, although they were one of the four most talented rosters when they went to the Super Bowl. And then Sean McVay took a team that was 75% Jeff Fisher's players and went to a Super Bowl within two years. And then three years later, rebuilt the entire team where the only players on the team that were that were um, Jeff Fisher players for this year's Super Bowl team were Aaron Donald and uh, one year one year of rookie Tyler Higby and the punter Johnny Hecker and those are the only players who were on Jeff Fisher's teams six years ago rebuilt the entire team from a team that was seventy five percent Jeff Fisher's players he went to the Super Bowl and then three years later rebuilt the entire team and went back to the Super Bowl and. Those teams for the Los Angeles Rams, like evidence that Sean McVay is a really good coach. I have no evidence that Matt LeFleur is that. I have no evidence that Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I have literally no evidence to suggest that Zach Taylor is even an NFL head coach. But Zach Taylor happened to make the Super Bowl last year, despite the fact, and I cannot bring this up enough, Zach Taylor tried to call timeout on the game-winning interception for the Bengals against the Titans in the divisional round of the playoff. He he tried calling timeout. The refs just didn't grant it to him. And then Logan Wilson intercepted the pass that set up the game-winning field goal in the playoff game. So, again, I have, like, Joe Burrow, we know he's a special quarterback. I have no evidence to suggest Zach Taylor is a good coach. And so I was looking at the, the teams and thinking, who are the teams that don't have special coaches but have special quarterbacks? And my mind went to Buffalo, but they're not going to fire Sean McDermott. So Sean McDermott's safe for now. The Bengals with, with Joe Burrow, but Zach Taylor just got a contract extension. He's going to be safe for a little bit. And the ones I think of are the Chargers with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. Herbert, special quarterback. Staley, no evidence to suggest either way if he's a special coach. Dallas with Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. And Arizona with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And the other ones, like, Baltimore has a special quarterback, special coach. Um, it was at the time Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, special quarterback, special coach. That That's kind of changed a little bit now because Russell Wilson's now no longer on them. But, you know, they just hired a new head coach. Maybe they would fire Hackett to get Sean Payton, but, like, point still stands. And then you have uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, special quarterback, special coach. And... You could go. I mean, I'm just thinking down the list here. Uh, I think we touched on pretty much everyone at that point. We got Mahomes, Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Uh, then we go to Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and we'll take Deshaun Watson out for this convert. We'll take the sexual predator out of this uh, conversation. So we, when we're talking about those nine, ten special quarterbacks, we have five of them that have really good head coaches and a couple of them that have coaches that are at least safe for now. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Sean Payton's only going to come out of retirement for a job with one of those quarterbacks, I would assume. And then this, the Dolphins thing makes so much sense because Tom Brady is, Tom Brady doesn't exist on any of these planes because I'm like, Tom Brady sometimes is the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Sometimes he's the 17th best quarterback in the NFL. Like it, he just doesn't exist in this plane of conversation like he kind of just goes back and forth and 
none of us know how to behave when we're talking about Tom Brady when you know Madden sets Tom Brady as the highest rated player in the game but that's absolutely ridiculous that Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Rodgers and Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and even Justin Herbert like it's insane that that's what you know Madden puts down but we just don't know how to talk about Tom Brady as a society because he's totally unprecedented 45 years old and because he's won seven championships and because he's Tom Brady, everyone gives him the elevated platform of GOAT status when he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, point still standing, it is Tom Brady existing on another plane, and that's something that would maybe be desirable for Sean Payton. Clearly it was because he retired from the Saints possibly to take the Dolphins job and then ended up in purgatory after the fact. And Sean Payton wanted that season And so if he comes back in a year and someone makes a trade for him, I totally understand the point that a Hall of Fame coach would go to the Chargers, go to the Cowboys, go to the Cardinals as a way to get your uh, star quarterback as a better, like a lateral move from New Orleans. Because if you're not going to make a significantly better jump from New Orleans, unless it's about the pay, why would Sean Payton leave New Orleans? And for to go from New Orleans to Miami also, where you're just a legend in New Orleans, it seems like not a lateral move right now to go from Miami to New Orleans. And the argument is like Tua is a better alternative option than the than Jameis Winston. And Tua is younger and the, the defense is a little bit younger. But like New Orleans to Miami is not what I would call a lateral move. If you put Tom Brady in the offense, maybe that changes the math a little bit. I'm just fascinated that that was the calculation that Sean Payton was making on that respect. Because, like, there are a lot of jobs better than New Orleans. There's just not a lot of jobs that come available that are better than New Orleans. And the Dolphins were trying to work that magic of, like, hey, we know Sean Payton doesn't really want to stay in New Orleans. What if we figure out a way to get him to Miami? And Sean Payton was down with it, given the fact that he retired as coach of the Saints. And ultimately, that like, the Saints would have obliged, and it might have taken a few weeks but they would have traded him to the they would have traded him from New Orleans to Miami and uh, according to Mike Florio I mentioned it a little bit earlier but this is kind of the idea of what the alternate timeline was supposed to be so in a world where the Brian Flores lawsuit either doesn't happen or happens like a month later on February 1st Tom Brady retires on February 8th he's announced as a minority owner of the Dolphins. So like a week after he retires in Tampa, he's a minority owner of the Dolphins. February 15th, like two weeks later, Sean Payton gets named the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And then sometime in May or June, like what happened with the Gronk retirement, the Bucks and Dolphins will work out a trade for Tom Brady to go to Miami, probably for the same first round pick and third round pick that the Miami Dolphins just lost in that trade. But what actually happened is the Brian Flores lawsuit drops on February 1st. Then Tom Brady and Sean Payton and the Dolphins' plan falls apart. Six weeks later, Tom Brady has a meeting with the Bucks in London about the conditions of his unretirement, and part of that involves Bruce Arians getting forced into the front office, saying Bruce Arians can't be the head coach. And if you've read the reports by Florio and Ben Volan, it's basically talking about how during the year last year, it would basically be Brady and Leftwich, Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator of the Bucks, making the the game plans for the week and making the uh, offensive strategies. And then Bruce Arians would come in with like a metaphorical red pen 
and then cross off or write up other stuff. And that frustrated Tom Brady because it felt like Bruce wasn't putting in the work. And part of it is Bruce Arians was becoming more of a hands-off coach. Like he'd been the guy who was obsessive about every detail. And as he got to Tampa and at the end in Arizona, he took his hands off of being a head coach and like letting his assistants do more of the work like the the work that they were hired to do and he's not a play caller anymore etc cetera, etc cetera. and that didn't jibe with Tom Brady and so Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians out as head coach so that he and Byron Leftwich could run the offense that they wanted to without having Bruce Arians come in and undo the game plan that they had without being in the meetings and doing the work to construct the game plan and so Tom Brady got his way Tom Brady got Bruce Arians to retire or I guess retire by moving to the front office, he got Bruce Arians out of the coaching ranks. And the compromise was, hey, you're going to be a member of the front office. But Tom Brady got Bruce Arians out as a condition of his return to Tampa Bay. And it just makes for one awkward season where Brady and the Bucks are going to just play the season out. And maybe Tom Brady ends up in Miami or another place, and maybe there's another scheme, but... Like, the NFL caught them, and Brian Flores exposed them. And now, like, I mean, there's a great tweet that's like, hey, the the three largest penalties of draft picks in the history of the NFL have all been involving Tom Brady. You had Deflategate, you had Spygate, and now you have the Dolphins tampering scandal that doesn't have a gate to it, but should have a gate. Um, or you should call it racism gate. <laughs> racism gate for the Dolphins. You have racism gate that ends up putting the Miami Dolphins down a first round pick and a third round pick and not having Tom Brady and not having Sean Payton, which again leads me to the conclusion that I wanted to draw from all of this that I think is crazy. And I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. Maybe I'm not listening to a ton of sports talk radio other than the Dan Levitard show. But one of the things that I feel like people aren't talking about is this is a Hall of Fame coach for 15 years ran one of the great offenses in the history of the NFL and he got the perfect quarterback in Drew Brees to where Drew Brees goes from being out of the league in 2006 to 15 years later having the all-time passing yards and passing touchdowns record and I'm amazed and Sean Payton like perfect offense he's like an offense predicated on short quick passes alternating with occasional deep balls what are we going to get to run the offense? How about the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL? For an offense predicated on quick, accurate throws, how about we get the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL to play for our team? And of course, they go 15 years where they're always great, except for the three years where the NFL dismantled their defense over Bounty Gate. And even then, they still went 7-9 and nine every year because the offense was just so good for so many years in New Orleans. And what I'm fascinated in is this is one of the great coaches of the 21st century. And it's the greatest winner in the history of the sport. And both of them are forced into situations that they didn't want. Tom Brady is forced to go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, we talked about Sean Payton's retirement. Sean Payton retired on January 25th. And according to Mike Florio, three weeks later was going to be the head coach of the Dolphins. If that plan doesn't blow up and the Dolphins don't tell him, whoops, sorry, we ain't got nothing for you. If that plan doesn't blow up, perhaps Sean Payton's still the coach of the New Orleans Saints. If that lawsuit comes in a week earlier or two weeks earlier, 
Sean Payton might still be the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. The timeline just got so, I mean, I guess bad bad luck is one way to phrase it, but the timeline just got so screwed up that the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton both walk away feeling like losers. And maybe Sean Payton could have come back, but by that point he had turned the team over to Dennis Allen and it would have been awkward and clearly revealed that he was going to be the head coach of the Dolphins. And Sean Payton's kind of waiting to see what the next best option is instead of going back to New Orleans. And that just seems insane to me that the exit for Sean Payton was that messed up. That, you know, he would still be coaching the Saints if not for the timing of that. Tom Brady would not have retired if not for the timing of all of that. How crazy is it that a Hall of Fame head coach and maybe the greatest winner in the history of the sport at the most important position both got screwed? Tom Brady and Sean Payton both got screwed into less than optimal situations and they thought this thing was going to work out and probably would have worked out. Maybe they would have still gotten fined for the tampering, but had it all worked out and Brian Flores didn't expose the ta- the lawsuit, didn't expose the tampering plans of Tom Brady before the lawsuit happened, it would have resulted in Tom Brady and Sean Payton being in the, the Miami Dolphins this year. And regardless of the what if and what could have been, the flip side is, does Sean Payton want to be retired or is he now forced to be retired? Does Tom Brady want to be a Buccaneer or is he forced to be a Buccaneer? Are they both settling for like second best options at this point? It's crazy that that's the case. Tom Brady wouldn't have signed that broadcasting contract. Maybe he still would have signed the broadcasting contract, but Tom Brady wouldn't have signed the broadcasting contract. Everything that happens in this offseason changes with that one move with the Brian Flores lawsuit beyond the fact that, again, Brian Flores is suing for the very right fact that the NFL has a shitty hiring record of blackhead coaches. And the NFL discriminates against black coaches in their hiring processes because their owners are rich and white and just let a sexual predator only get a six-game suspension because they couldn't do a proper investigation because they didn't care about doing an investigation and didn't care about CTE and blackballed Colin Kaepernick from the sport because they are conservative old white men. And it's fascinating that the, I mean, not the most prominent coach, but the most prominent quarterback that everyone can't get enough of, can't get enough of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the best. Tom Brady's the best. We want to talk about Tom Brady. We want to make documentaries about Tom Brady. We want to follow everything about Tom Brady's life. The thing I complain about all the time is, Let's appreciate greatness, and we don't appreciate greatness well enough, except Tom Brady. Tom Brady gets all of the universal applause for greatness. And what's crazy to me is that Tom Brady's now in a situation he doesn't want to be in for a second time over. And the chain reaction of events from all of this is a power switch unlike any that I can remember. It's crazy that that ended up happening the way it did, because again, is Sean Payton... Does Sean Payton want to be the coach of the Saints? Does Sean Payton want to be coaching somewhere right now, but he just can't? And he has to wait a year for the hiring cycle to come back around? And even then, he's only going to take a job where he gets Justin Herbert or Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray? Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a lame duck season? Tom Brady just get Bruce Arians fired and then he's going to dip at the end of the year and just dismantle the Buccaneers the way that LeBron James dismantled the Cleveland Cavaliers at the very end? Like, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy the amount of power and leverage that exists over those situations. And 
all of the chain reaction of events just seems crazy to me. And Sean Payton kind of gets screwed and Tom Brady kind of gets screwed. And those guys never get screwed. Those guys always have some kind of soft landing pad. And they both got screwed just because of the timing of the whole thing. If any of these details change by like a day or a week or anything like that, all of this changes. And the fun way you can play this game, and I'm going to finish with this, is Bill Belichick's text to Brian Flores instead of Brian Dayball started this chain reaction. And there's no way in hell Bill Belichick could have anticipated that chain reaction. But the chain reaction that stops Tom Brady from going to the Miami Dolphins and gets Sean Payton not in the same division as him with Tyreek Hill, ah, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss on how that all plays out. Because people will run with that story for the rest of the time. It doesn't take much to, to connect the dots between, hey, Bill Belichick sent this text, chain reaction begins, Tom, Tom Brady gets screwed out of going to the ownership stake in the Dolphins, and Sean Payton gets screwed out of becoming a head coach for the 2022 season. And it starts with the chain reaction of Bill Belichick. And I have to say, chef's kiss on that detail. Because Tom Brady seems unhappy. And he's basically, this is like the 2018 Cavs season all over again. We know Tom Brady's leaving the Bucks after 2022. We know that Sean Payton wanted to be coach of the Dolphins. But he's stuck out of the NFL right now. And it feels like everything's going to be an L this year for those guys. Maybe Tampa has a good season, but like it's going to be an L for Tampa. It's going to be an L for the Dolphins. It's going to be an L for the, I mean, the plan C Miami Dolphins, as I like to call them. It's an L for the Dolphins. It's an L for Tom Brady, and it's an L for Sean Payton. And that's kind of crazy to think about now that we have all the details in front of us. Just how the timing of these events even shifted the landscape of these people's fates so much. I think that's kind of crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the 1,000th episode of the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Make sure to subscribe, follow, download, rate, review, all that good stuff, and check out our Fall of the Spurs Dynasty podcast. We're going to have a fun little storyline with the Spurs community coming up tomorrow as our Friday episode. With that being said, take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.